Acts 26, verses 4 through 23. Title of this message, How to Share Your Story, Your Testimony. Um, to open up, I wanted to share an experience I had many years ago when I was in high school. Um, like we do currently, we go to Wednesday, uh, on Wednesday nights, we go to In-N-Out afterwards, and we eat food, uh, a lot of the high school, some of the junior hires. And when I was in high school, we went to In-N-Out, and this one girl that was a student in high school asked me a question. She goes, Josh, do you think it's that important that we share our testimony? And I hesitated for a moment, and then I said, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's that important. And I said that because I was still coming to terms with my own testimony and my own story. I look back on that answer that I gave that girl, and that girl was uh, Aaron Maross, um, and I realized that answer was wrong, 100% wrong. Because your story and how you became a Christian does matter. It is crucial and it is powerful. So please don't underestimate your story. Don't cast it aside. Don't compare it. Your story of how God got a hold of your heart is unique and different. Like how there's a different snowflake. There's not an identical one. How every person has different DNA. Your story is unique and it's different. And so, no matter how much sin you have done or how much sin you haven't done, that doesn't matter. What matters and what is most important is that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That you have believed in the person and the work that he, of who he is, Jesus Christ. That you know that he dwells in you and you in him and that he's changing you from the inside out. And that we take that hope that we have and share it with other people. See, my hope and my prayer is by that at the end of this study, you will know what a testimony is. You should know why to share your testimony. And you will know how to share your testimony in 10 seconds, in 30 seconds, and in one minute. And then you can add on to it from there. And that as we prepare to share our testimonies and our stories, it'll be like launching a missile off of your lips into unbelievers' ears, and it will make a permanent impact on their lives. That's what a testimony does. When you speak it to somebody who is not saved, it has an impact. So, first, let's see what a testimony is. I looked up the dictionary definition, and this is what it said. Proof or evidence that something exists or is true. I like that because when we share our story, it's proof that God exists. It's proof that he has come down and died on the cross for our sins. And it's proof that he's involved in his creation. He didn't create the world and just step back. He created the world and he is intimately involved in it. The word testify, it means to give evidence as a witness in a court of law. John Stott, he said, you cannot bear witness 
If you are only reporting what others have told you, you must speak from your own experience. And that's what a testimony is. You're speaking from your own personal experience of what God has done in your life. I think sometimes us as Christians, we become parrots and we start repeating what our parents say. We start repeating what pastor says or myself or what the leaders say and we don't grab a hold of it ourselves. We're not called to be parrots, just repeating. We are called to know by experience ourselves. That's what a testimony is, to know Jesus and how he has changed and transformed our lives. So that's what a testimony is. Why? Why should we share our story? Now, I think I have about eight reasons, and each one is important. So if you guys are taking notes, I would encourage you to write these things down. The first is, your story is one of the most powerful and compelling tools that God has given us to reach the non-believers, the lost world. Your story, how you came to Christ, is one of the most compelling and the most powerful tools to share with your unbelieving family and your friends. If you don't believe me, try it out. And I would encourage you, even look at Scripture. Scripture backs this up. In John chapter 4, verse 39, it says this, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him, in Jesus, because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. I want to give you guys some background and content to that verse. This woman here, she, she encounters Jesus at the well. See, Jesus in John chapter 4 is thirsty. And his disciples go into the town of Samaria and leave Jesus there. But Jesus stayed there because he had an appointment with this person, with this woman. And this woman comes and Jesus asks for some water to open up the conversation. And all of a sudden they start talking and they start discussing religion and other things. And all of a sudden he says, go and tell your husband. And she's like, huh, I don't have a husband. And he's like, you said right, because you have five husbands. And the one that you are now with is not. Is your husband or something like that. And her jaws like dropped. She's like, you must be a prophet because you're telling me my sin that nobody like, knows about. And all of a sudden, through this conversation, Jesus literally reveals his identity to this woman who is sleeping around, who is an outcast, who is a reject because she went up to this well at noon. All the ladies would usually go in the morning or at evening when it was cooler in the day. But she went by herself because she was rejected by the women in that city. But she was accepted by the Lord. And guess what? She left her bucket there as soon as Jesus revealed that he was the Messiah. And she went running into town, sharing her testimony, telling everybody. And notice it says, many of the Samaritans believed because of her testimony. Not because of Jesus going in and preaching, but because Jesus revealed her sin, revealed his identity, and in instantly changed her. Number two, 
share your testimony for no one can argue with it. No one can argue with your testimony. I was told this back in 2021 when I went to New Jersey and New York by uh, one of the pastors there at Calvary Chapel Old Bridge. And he says, share your testimony because no one can argue with it. And I literally felt like the Lord speak to me and says, Josh, I want you to share your testimony unfiltered on this trip. And I was like, all right, Lord, I'll do that. And I had the privilege of sharing my testimony with my roommates. I had the privilege of sharing my testimony with um, this guy, Diego, in Times Square, and with Brandon, who was a 15 or 16-year-old on the subway. And everybody in the subway was listening to my story, and I had no clue what was going on. And I was sharing with him. And if I would have known everybody that was listening, I wouldn't have shared some of the details. But God has a way of working. No one can argue with your story. Chuck Swindoll said, it is the most convincing, unanswerable argument on earth. He goes on to say, the skeptics may deny your doctrines or teachings. They may attack your church, but he or she cannot honestly ignore the fact that your life has been changed. See, when you say, I stand here redeemed, made whole because of what Christ has done, they can't refute that. When you say, for me, for my story, I used to be angry. I think I shared with uh, some of you junior hires that apparently, I don't remember this, my parents told me, I uh, got one of the kitchen knives out of the drawer and chased my siblings around my house trying to stab them because <laughs> I had an anger issue and I hated everybody. But now if you look at me today, I'm no longer that person. And it's not just time, and it's not just growing up, and it's not just maturity that's changed me. It's Jesus Christ. Third, your story is more appealing than a teaching. If you were to say, hey, you should listen to this teaching on John 3.16, that might be nice. But your personal story is more appealing to your family members and your friends than some random guy teaching that they don't know. Because it's personal. It's more appealing. Another testimony that's illustrated in Scripture is found in Mark chapter 5. And I'll give you some context. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus travels across the Sea of Galilee to encounter this one man. This man was so messed up. He was possessed by a legion of demons. No chains could bind him. He had supernatural strength. He was shattering the chains. And all of a sudden, he comes out of this tomb. He's naked, and he has all these cuts on his arm. And they said, we know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, the, the, the demons kind of say, please don't cast us into the lake of fire. And he goes, fine, you can go to the swine. And he casts the demons out. And this man is healed. Set free from those bondages, from the voices, from the lies of the enemy. And this is what it says in chapter 5, verse 18. It says, when he got into the boat, and he who had, demon, had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. See, after he realized what Jesus did for him, he's like, please let me stay with you. I want to follow you. I want to be one of your disciples. It says, however, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, 
go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he, has, and he departed and began to proclaim in Delapolis all that, the, all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Jesus says, your job is to stay here and to share your story with your family and friends. That's what's more important. And so he became a living testimony to that whole entire area of what God's power can do. It can set you free from any type of bondage. Number four, your testimony is a weapon against Satan. You might be thinking, why should we share our testimony? Your testimony is a weapon in spiritual warfare. We find this in Revelation chapter 12. In Revelation chapter 12, we, it's a chapter about Satan, but it says that he stands before God's throne day and night accusing us. He's pointing out your faults and failures. He's like, are you really allowing this guy to be saved or this girl to be saved? And he's constantly accusing us, taking his fiery darts and aiming them at your mind, shooting them so that you, your mind will be lit on fire by these things ideas or these thoughts, these doubts and these questions. And this is what it says in Revelation 12, 20, uh, 7, or 11. Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives. Notice those three things. By Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. By the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives. What silences the enemy is not an argument, but a testimony of God's faithfulness, of God's grace. That is what silences the enemy. The fifth reason we should share our stories and our testimony is it blesses others and ourselves. You may not, if you haven't learned to share your story, you're missing out on one of the blessings God wants you to receive in your life. And honestly, I, I missed out on this blessing for the longest time because I was apprehensive of sharing my story. I held it back. And when I was able to share it freely because God put it on my heart, I was able to see God use it. And I was blessed and the people who were listening were blessed as well. The first couple of times you might share your testimony, it might be nerve wracking. You might get those butterflies and you feel like puking. You might... Think all of these thoughts, and you might share it, and you're like, oh, man, that didn't go good. I stumbled. I stuttered. But you never know what God can do as you practice giving your testimony. The Lord will use it to bless yourself and other people as well. Number six, it gives hope. It gives people hope that God can truly change and transform us. Have you guys heard that saying, an old dog can't learn new tricks? Basically saying, oh, an old person, an old dog, people can't learn new things. No, God is evidence and, or proof that old people, no matter how old you are, can truly change. Because when you collide with the living God, you can't help but change because he is immovable. Number seven, it glorifies God. It brings God glory when we share our story. 
When we share of how we've been redeemed, transformed, made new, how he got a hold of us, it brings him glory. He's pleased when we share that. And number eight, it is biblical. It's biblical for us to share. We see that in Jesus encouraging the people he healed in the Gospels. We see Paul sharing his testimony. But this is one of the main reasons I wanted to share on this theme tonight. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We should always be ready 24-7 to tell others about Jesus Christ. When you're standing in line at Starbucks and all of a sudden they see your sweatshirt from camp, be like, hey, what's that? Let me tell you why I'm a Christian. This is from our church camp. We should always be willing and ready to share the reasons why we are Christians and why we have this hope. And think about this. If you and I cannot share the reasons for our hope, then we cannot share the gospel. If you can't share your story, then you might not be able to share the gospel. And this is what I want to encourage you students. Do you know why you're a Christian? If I were to sit down and ask you, why are you a follower of Christ? Could you give me the reasons? You need to have reasons for what you believe and why you believe it. If you don't, get alone with the Lord and say, God, would you reveal yourself to me? Give me reasons. Also, talk to one of us leaders. I'll ask you more questions than give you answers because I want you to come to those conclusions yourself because I don't want you to re just repeat the things I say because I want you to believe it yourself. We have to know the reasons and be ready. Are you guys ready for the practical part? The how-tos? How to share your testimony. This is the practical stuff. See, on multiple occasions, in the book of Acts, during Paul's third missionary journey and his trip to Rome, he stood before different audiences and presented Christ to them. Each time he stood alone and each time he addressed the unbelievers, and many of them were hostile and rude. Do you know what method he used? He used his testimony multiple times to share he didn't, he didn't choose the seven uh, or the four laws, four spiritual laws. He didn't choose a specific Christian track. He didn't choose the Gospel of John. Well, let me hand you a Gospel of John. He didn't choose any other method. The main method he chose to share the Gospel was his personal story of how God got a hold of his life because that's irrefutable. That is something that people can't argue. And so in Acts 26, it provides us an example for us as believers to personally share our stories of how Christ has transformed our lives. So there's three parts to this chapter. 
your life before Christ, or Paul's life before Christ, his encounter with Christ, and life after Christ. Life before Christ we see in verses 4 through 11, the encounter with Christ, verses 12 through 18, and life after Christ, verses 19 through 23. So let's check this out. We see in verses 4 through 11, his life before Christ. And it's this a religious life opposed to God. If you guys would follow along with me in Acts 26, I'm going to read from the NLT translation because it's a little simpler. Verse 4, it says, As the Jewish leaders are well aware, I was given a thorough Jewish training from my earliest childhood among my own people in Jerusalem. If they would admit it, they know that I have been a member of the Pharisees, the strictest sect sect under religion, our religion. Now I am on trial because of my hope in the fulfillment of God's promises made to our ancestors. In fact, that is why the 12 tribes of Israel zealously worship God day and night. They share the same hope I have. Yet your majesty, because he's standing before King Agrippa here, he says, your majesty, they accuse me of having this hope. Why does it seem incredible to any of you that God could raise the dead? I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus of Nazareth. Indeed, I did just that in Jerusalem. Authorized by the leading priest, I caused many believers to be sent to prison. He says, I cost my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had punished them in the synagogues, getting them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down to foreign cities. We'll stop there. That was Paul's life before Christ. I love that. He was so violently opposed against them. He caused many believers to be sent to prison, punished them, and causing them to curse Jesus. When you and I craft our life before Christ story, we need to use descriptive words that non-believers will understand that characterize your life before Christ. I would encourage you, maybe there was a specific problem in your past that was a, um, a factor in you coming to Christ. Share that problem. Maybe there was emotions that you can still remember. Share those emotions. Or a situation or an attitude that you were dealing with at the time before Christ. You could use words to describe your life before Christ like this. Selfish. Life had no meaning. Guilty, troubled, without hope, full of anxiety, lonely, lack of peace, no love, and fearful. Use those types of words that people can relate to and that are true of yourself. Paul here simply stated the facts of his past, that he was a Pharisee, that he did many things contrary to God, throwing many Christians in prison. But something I want to point out in this verse, in this section, verse 9, in the NLT, NLT it says, I used to believe. I like that. He says in uh, the New King 
New King James translation in verse 9, it says, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus. He had wrong thoughts. He had wrong beliefs that led him down this wrong, this wrong road. He didn't believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And this is part of his story. Then we see his encounter with Christ in verses 12 through 18, where he recognizes his need for Christ and he commits his life to Christ. Verse 12, it says, One day I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and the commission of the leading priests. About noon, your majesty, was I, I was on the road. A light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shone around me and my companions. We fell down, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. And he, he responds and says, Who are you, Lord? Question mark. I asked, and the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get on your feet, for I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness, to tell people what you have seen. Tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I will send you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may be turned from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they would receive forgiveness for their sins, to be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. This is Paul's Jesus encounter. And you can see more of this in Acts chapter 9 when it actually takes place. So, after you've written down your descriptive life before Christ, then explain your encounter with Christ. Present to your friend, friends and family the way that God saved you in terms that they will understand quickly. So, try not to use Christianese, okay? Don't use the word, oh, God justified me. What does that mean? <laughs> if you are using a word you can't explain, throw it out, okay? I would encourage you, even try to find the definition of grace. You guys have heard me explain it before. Definition of justice, mercy, and grace. Use it in terms people that will understand it. Sometimes we have to unlearn Christianese because how many of you have grown up in the church? Raise your hand. Almost all of us have grown up in the church. So therefore, Christianese is part of our vocabulary. And we could put on that stuff all day. Sometimes we have to get rid of that in order to speak to those that are not saved. You might describe your conversion or your encounter with Christ in a phrase like this. I discovered that God loved me. Or I realized that Jesus was the Son of God. Or someone told me that God had a plan for my life. It could be something like that. It could be like a friend invited me to church to hear the good news and all of a sudden I heard it for the first time and I realized I needed Jesus in that moment. However you've encountered Christ, make it clear and try to be specific. Notice Paul said he was on the road to Damascus. It was at noonday. He had all these things that were recorded because he had an encounter with Christ that he would never forget. 
And if you have a date that you know that you got saved this day, write it down. I'm kind of jealous of you. I don't have a date. I don't know the exact day in the exact moment and where I was at when I prayed that prayer. I have no clue. I think I prayed the prayer in fourth grade, but then my walk in relationship with God became real in junior high and mostly high school. And it was a slow progression. Pastor David has a specific, he calls it his spiritual birthday, and it's around the end of December. He knows the exact day. I don't. And I, I, I thought to myself, because I didn't have an exact day when I was younger, I wasn't saved. That's not true, guys. <laughs> if you don't have an exact day, that doesn't mean anything. That is not the evidence that you are saved. And I would say your encounter with Christ doesn't have to be dramatic like Paul's. Sometimes we compare our story to his story and like, dude, since I didn't have an encounter like Paul's, that must be I'm not saved. <laughs> That's not the truth either. Your story might be simple. Simple is good, and I would say this, simple is powerful. Simple is powerful. You know why? Because if your story is simple, like anybody else's story, or similar, then other people too can get saved, and you can give them hope. Sometimes when we highlight a story that is really crazy and powerful, people are like, whoa, whoa, I, I, I've never had that encounter. Nowhere in Scripture does it say we have to have a crazy encounter with Christ in order to be saved. Look at this, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that Jesus has raised him, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. It's simple. We make it complicated. And if you simply prayed that prayer one time in the quietness of your heart or in your room, that is part of your story. Don't compare it to anybody else's. That is unique. Let it be. I remember my roommate in Bible college, his name was Steve, my third semester. Um, all of a sudden, I get into my dorm. Each dorm or each uh, semester, you had to change roommates. And I walk in, and there's this 42-year-old man on one of the beds. And I was like, dude, hopefully this guy's not my roommate. And he ended up being our roommate. We called him Mus Mustache Steve because he had a mustache. <laughs> and he was like this old dude, but honestly, it was great having him. And the way he got saved, he just simply said, Lord, help. And in those two words, he got saved. He firmly believes, he acknowledged God and who he was and his need for Christ in those two words, Lord, help. He didn't pray the sinner's prayer and he was saved in that moment. And so I want to encourage you, do not emphasize feelings in your testimony. Emphasize faith that you've trusted in Christ. Feelings come and go. Feelings do not determine fact. And feelings do not determine if I'm saved or not. Emphasize faith, believing in Jesus. Now, I know in a room this size, when we're talking about encountering Christ, maybe some of you haven't encountered Christ. As we're talking about this, maybe you're thinking, have I really encountered him? Have I experienced his love? Have I heard the truth and have I let it pierce my heart? Is my heart getting harder or is it getting softer? I really want you to consider, 
have you personally encountered Christ? Now, I'm not talking like you've seen a vision of him and you saw his head and you saw his eyes. Like, I've never seen that. (laughs) I've never had that type of encounter. Paul only saw a light and he heard a voice. The rest of his men heard a noise. He heard heard the voice of God. Have you encountered the Lord? And it might not be dramatic, but it might be simple. Last, your life after Christ. We see this change in a witness. In verse 19, Paul says, And so, King Agrippa, I obeyed the vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus and then in Jerusalem and throughout all of Judea and also to the Gentiles that all must repent of their sins and turn to God and prove that they have changed by the good things they do. For some, some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me. But God protected me right up to this present time so I can testify. Notice, bear witness, give his testimony. To everyone, from the least to the greatest, I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead and in this way announce God's light to the Jews and Gentiles alike. And that was it. Paul shared that testimony. When he actually shared his testimony in chapter 22, the people listened intently. And it says they listened intently until that last moment. And they said they heard something that Paul said and they disagreed. And then all of a sudden there was this uproar and this riot. And the Roman guards had to step in and save him and deliver him. God will protect you as you guys give your testimony. So, now that we've talked about our life before Christ, our encounter with Christ, now you need to talk about your life after Christ. And use those words that are familiar with a non-believer. Describing your life something like this. I stopped worrying. I found peace. My guilt was gone. I have found the real meaning to life. I have a purpose. Share how your life has been different since Christ. That's the important contrast. I was this way, but now I am this way. I have been changed. Something else to consider. You might not want to tell them, when you become a Christian, all your problems will go away (laughs) because that's not the truth. Be real with them. We looked at last week when Jared shared his testimony. He got saved at the age of 19, but at the age of 30, he was losing feeling in his legs and went into the doctors and they discovered a mass on the back of his spine. And it was cancerous. And they had to take it out. It just goes to show you that life might not get easier. It could get more complicated. But because Christ is with us, it makes it bearable. And it makes life so much more enjoyable when Christ is with you. He enhances your joy, honestly. So, now, very few people have a crazy, dramatic testimony like Paul's. But we can follow this same example that Paul lays out in this chapter. Your life before Christ, your encounter with Christ, and your life after Christ. Now, here's a simple way to share your testimony. 
make each one of these one sentence. And that will be a 10-second testimony. Your life before Christ, make it one sentence. Your encounter with Christ, make it one sentence. And make your life after Christ one sentence. You'll have a 10-second testimony. This is, my this is my testimony in 10 seconds. I was angry and I hated everyone, my siblings, my parents, and even myself. Then God showed me how much he loved me by sending his one and only son to the cross to die for me and my sins. Now I don't hate anyone. I love my siblings. I love my parents and others because Christ has changed and transformed my heart. Done. Simple. That was 10 seconds. Now, if you want to go to 30 seconds, you add more details. Add another sentence to each section and do that. If you want to go to a minute, add more details. Start off small and then build on it and build on it and build on it. As you create it and as you add, it'll become longer and longer. I would encourage you to write it down. That way, when you look back, you can see how your testimony has changed over time because your testimony will change over time. You guys are all in junior high. There's more that the Lord wants to add to your story, more to the life after Christ possibly part. Maybe some of you have your life before Christ, but you haven't encountered, with, haven't encountered Christ yet. Your story is still being written. And every time I've sat down to write my story, I've added more details and I've taken other things away. I was like, nah, this time I'm not going to use that. This time I'm not going to use that. You know what? I'm going to put this one in here. I'm going to put this one in here. You can add things as you go along. It'll change. And I, I would encourage you, if there's scripture that the Lord has used to get a hold of your heart, use that scripture in your testimony. Jared, he used Matthew 16 about denying yourself, picking up your cross daily and following Jesus. If there's a verse that the Lord used to encourage you, then use that. I know my uh, Bible college professor, uh, Andy Dean, when he came out to share his testimony here, part of his testimony, he incorporates Jonah because he was running from God and God's calling upon his life. And you know how God got a hold of him? He was in New York when 9-11 happened. He was there when the two towers fell and you couldn't see your hand in front of your face because there was so much debris and so much fogginess. He was there and the Lord was guiding him through that whole process. If there's a scripture that stands out, use that. When I've shared my testimony, I use Zechariah chapter three, verses one through five, because I felt like Joshua in that story, Joshua the high priest, and Satan standing there constantly accusing him of all the things that he's done wrong. If you relate to the demon-possessed man in Mark 5, use that one. I know John Mott has used that one in part of his story as he was uh, addicted to drugs and different things. I encourage you, find some scripture and incorporate into that into your story. Now, here's some don'ts, okay? Things that you shouldn't do when sharing your story. First, don't magnify the past, okay? Some people spend the majority of their time, they're like, dude, I did this thing, and then I did this thing, I slept with this person, I did this drug, and they just go on and on and on, and then they said, oh yeah, I got saved, and Jesus is good, I'm done. It's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do that. 
Notice Paul. Paul didn't magnify his life before Christ and then a small version of his encounter with Christ, and it went smaller. Paul had a balanced testimony. Each section had kind of a similar amount of verses or words with it. So make sure your testimony is balanced. It's not too heavy on one side or too heavy on another. And if anything, let your life before Christ be light. If you want to go like crazy and go to town on your life after Christ or your encounter with Christ, do that instead because that glorifies God more. If you're actually highlighting your, your life before Christ and you're spending all that time, you're highlighting sin. And we don't want to highlight sin. We don't want to highlight the enemy's work. We want to highlight Jesus Christ's work. So spend time on your encounter with Christ and spend time on your life after Christ because that's where it's at. That's where the joy is. That's where the hope is. That is where God is working. Also, I would say, don't over-exaggerate things, okay? Sometimes I've heard people's stories, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, did that really happen like that? And they want to be more dramatic to sound more cool or something. The goal is not to be cool. The goal is not to be like, man, I have the worst testimony in the world and what God could do through me. No, no, no. Share the facts. Be real. Share them like it is. Don't make them bigger than they are. Don't make them smaller than they are. Also, don't be boring. When you're sharing your story, you are sharing about the most important thing in all of the world what you did with Jesus Christ. That fact that you were going to be saved for all of eternity. This shouldn't be boring. If you're saying, oh yeah, Jesus loves me, well, don't make Jesus boring, guys, please. Please don't. My dad has taught me, Josh, if you teach a message that's boring, he says it's a sin to be boring. Now, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> My dad said that. Don't be boring. This is something we should be passionate about because no one likes to listen to someone that's boring. If you want people to listen to your story, be interesting. But don't over-exaggerate. <laughs> Let your enthusiasm, enthusiasm come through. Also, don't take the glory. Don't say, oh yeah, I did this and then I did this. Give God the glory. Give the credit that is due to Him. Make sure you give it to Him. Also, don't be fake. Don't be fake and phony. Everyone has a baloney reader. What do I mean by that? Everyone knows when you are being fake or when you are being real. I know you guys know that. When a parent comes to talk to you or somebody else asks you a question. The other day, someone asked me a question um, and they said, Josh, how's junior high doing? And I could tell in the way they asked, I was like, you don't care. You're asking to be polite, but you do not care about the junior high ministry or what I do with my job. And I could read straight through it. Don't be fake. Be yourself, okay? So if you have a funny personality, incorporate humor into your story. Be you. Don't try to be Josh Collins, please don't. Uh, you don't wanna be bald like this. Um, don't try to be Dustin. Don't try to be your parents. Be yourself. 
And as you share your story, be kind. It goes a long way. And when I understand that, kindness goes a long way in life. It could open doors. A simple smile can open doors that you had never even realized. People are jerks in this world. People are jerks and they are rude. I went to Sam's Club on Saturday. No one knows how to say, excuse me, open your mouth, people, and say, can I get by and get this item instead of shoving your way in? Yes, we went through COVID, but that doesn't excuse you to be rude to all of humanity. It bothers me. Kindness goes a long way, okay? Sorry, went on a little tangent there. Also, don't compare your story. I've said this already. I think it's worth repeating. Please don't share. Compare your story with anybody else's. Yours is unique. Yours is special. And God wants to use it. And as you share your story, pray through it. Pray during it. Pray after it. Pray before it. Because God wants to use that story to impact others with the gospel. Three final things. I would encourage you, know your own story. Before you can share your story, you have to know it personally. And I gotta be honest, I've lied to myself in the past about my own story for a long time, and it wasn't until I went to Bible college where I was forced to share my testimony and come to grips with things that took place in my past that was able to free me up to share my story more freely. So you have to know who you were before Christ, and you gotta know who you are in Christ. You have to know the reasons why you are saved so that you can share it with other people. Then practice. Practice with your saved family members and friends. That's a safe environment where they'll be gracious to you and they won't chew you out. The very first several times I shared my story was with my roommates in Bible college. My first semester, then my second semester, then my third semester, and then my fourth semester. And then just two summers ago, sharing it in New Jersey and New York with random strangers. Before sharing with non-believers, share with your Christian family members and friends. And then share with your unsaved family members and your friends. Share the hope that you have. I honestly am looking forward to the day. And I, I, I think, I'm, I'm praying through it, where I'm going to share my testimony with my older brother. And just see his response of how God has changed and transformed my life. Because I know he's seen it. He's seen that I'm not as angry as I was when I was younger, and that God has gotten a hold of my heart, but he doesn't understand the God aspect, and I want to share it with him. Last thing, when we share our story, we give God the glory, and that is the best thing, is that God would be glorified in our stories.